All right. So, Matt, I don't know if I told you about this, but I had a friend who got a hundred percent discount on her plastic surgery. How in the world? I, I don't know, but the look on her face was priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. Alright, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm good, brother. Excellent, excellent. So before we get into it, I'll tell you this. You know I had that um dental work done and I had a temporary crown put on. Right. Well, I went in a couple days ago to get the permanent crown put on. No big deal. But they numbed me up because they didn't do a root canal and they had to rip that that crown off, you know, so they numbed me up. Well, they they said you can eat, but wait an hour before you chew on that side, whatever. So I said, okay. Well, an hour later, I am starving. <laughs> I, I am dying. <laughs> uh, and the whole right side of my mouth is still just as numb as it was an hour ago. Right. So I said, well, I can do this. I'm, I'll just chew on the left side. No problem. So I got a sandwich. I start eating my sandwich. And first thing I noticed is food just falling out of the right side of my mouth. <laughs> but I'm at the I house. I haven't seen that. I, yeah, I'm at the house by myself. So nobody, I'm thinking that's fine. Well, next <laughs> thing I know, I'm chewing and something feels weird between my teeth. Yeah. I bit the ever loving crap out of my bottom oh, lip. Oh, God. I shredded my lip. <laughs> Didn't even know I, I did that. it. And I thought to myself, well, when the numbing wears off, this is going to suck. And it, it has <laughs> for several days now. It, it's God. It's been bad. Coffee, drinking the hot coffee hurts it. Uh, we had uh, some uh, green beans the other night from HelloFresh that had some lemon juice on them. That burned the crap. I mean, it, it's just been, it's been rough, man. It's been rough. Hey, um. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this uh, just to keep from doing like a, a, a free ad, but I found this particular mouthwash that has zinc in it mm -hmm. and it helps heal up mouth sores. Okay. And man, within two days, I had one that was absolutely killing me and it was where I had bit my cheek mm -hmm. and that, man, this, it instantly felt better Send and it was pretty well healed in a couple of days. Yeah. Send that to me. Like a, a picture of it or the name, not the actual mouthwash. Don't send me yeah, mouthwash. That's right. <laughs> I can buy my own. Thank you. Um, but before we get into the, the show here, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. Uh, you can find a list of shows that we're happy to be associated with. And, and you know, I guarantee you, you're going to find something on there that you enjoy. Plus, they've got tips and tricks on how to start your own podcast if you so desire to start your That's own right. podcast. And um, we want to thank tonight's sponsor, HelloFresh. We will talk more about them coming up. I just mentioned them a minute ago because we ate HelloFresh and the lemon juice hurt my whittle whip. But 
Uh, also, while you're on the hurt in- my whittle hurt whip. my whittle whip. Uh, while you're on the internet doing your uh, interwebs things, go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales. You can sign up to become a patron. You can get ad-free audio versions of the show if you're a $10 a month member, plus video versions of the show that are also ad-free that have extra stuff in there that I don't cut out because sometimes we screw up or Matt cusses or you know, he, he goes off the rails sometimes and, and you yep. got to ra- reel him back in, but I don't That's cut right. that out of the Patreon <laughs> episodes. I leave that in there. Plus everybody gets a bonus episode every week and they run, right. run the gamut of what we talk about. Yeah, they're pretty great. I mean, we have a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot looser than we are on the regular show. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're like, how could that be? Yeah, well, we let Matt go off the rails sign, and don't reel him up, back in. Sign up and find out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, that's all I've got for housekeeping. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, so tonight um, we're talking about a topic that has interested Adam and and me. And I know Amanda, we've talked about this for the last few years. Um. In the terms of wanting to have this experience. So tonight we're, we're going to talk about ayahuasca, yeah, now, what it is, how it works, you know, what, what the experience is like. And I think a lot of people know that would, would be into this. Like my, my grandmother doesn't know. Right. right. Um, uh, but well, your grandma's not cool, man. <laughs> She wasn't, she's not a hippie. <laughs> never been you know, cool. Never was one. Um, but no, that, that how strong I, of a, of a, of a psychedelic, of a hallucinogen that ayahuasca is. Mm-hmm. And I think people that have, you know, done magic mushrooms or something like that, think that it's just a, a more intense version of that. And we're going to, we're going to talk about what it's really like. Right. Um, and I, 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 I've told Adam tonight, I said, you know, man, I was a hundred percent on board with doing this. <laughs> we, we had actually looked at a retreat. That's not too far from us. Um, we, we had looked at it, how much it would cost, you know, what, how long we'd have to be up there, all that. And after doing all this research, I'm not so sure. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> I'm, I'm so a what? fence sitter as well. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so if you don't know what it is, you're, you're, you, you know, you're in for a, in for a treat. You're going to get some education tonight. And, and if you, if you do know, but you're just kind of just know what it is, um, we're going to try it and, and explain it, uh, in a way that you, you could decide, is this right for me? Right. You know, is this something that I would benefit from? We'll see. And try to explain it is probably the right way to do it. Uh, Always try. Because it, it's one of those things that it it literally is that you have to experience it to really understand it from my, from my understanding. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But we'll do our best with what we've heard and what we've learned to explain it here. But as we always say, go check our sources. Down on the bottom of the show notes, you can find where we found all this information. You can continue the research because there's a lot of experiences and and stories and stuff that are out there that we're not going to be able to cover, but 
they're good and mm-hmm. and they're 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 good to know before you say yep i'm gonna do this and then take a a trip to the amazon jungle and right. and go do it you want to know what you're getting into but go check our sources because i'm going to be reading a lot of medical stuff and and you know stuff by the experts mm-hmm. and if if you want to see where I got this expert information, then sources down there. Now, what is ayahuasca? Well, ayahuasca is a sacred brew that has a long history of ritual use among indigenous groups of the upper Amazon. A complete ayahuasca brew will contain, in the scientific sense, an MAOI, so a monoamine oxidase inhibitor, and DMT, dimethyltryptamine. Now, Mm -hmm. If you know who Joe Rogan is, you've probably heard him say DMT at mm-hmm. some point. I mean, e- even the the joke memes have, have you ever tried DMT? Because mm-hmm. uh, he's a big proponent, apparently, of it. But DMT is one of the main psychoactive ingredients yep. in ayahuasca. Yeah, it's it's the deal. It's it's the active reason. Right. And I'm uh, uh, reason. It's the it's the active ingredient. It's it's what produces the the hallucinations. Mm-hmm. So according to WebMD, ayahuasca is a plant based psychedelic drug. It's used usually brewed into a tea or a concentrated liquid to drink, but ayahuasca can also be smoked. Mm. Um, it's a mixture of two plants and contains chemicals that can affect your senses and cause you to get quote high. When you drink it, it can alter your ability to think, blur your sense of time, and heighten your emotions. You might also hallucinate, and they say which is seeing or hearing things that don't exist. Now, the word ayahuasca translates to vine of the soul in the Quechua language. So for more than a thousand years, indigenous populations from Peru, Ecuador, and other countries along the Amazon basin have used it for medicinal, spiritual, and ceremonial purposes. But today, many Westerners travel to South America to use ayahuasca in the hopes of, quote, spiritual cleansing for personal, physical, and emotional growth. You'll usually take ayahuasca under the supervision of a shaman, and experts are beginning to study its healing property. And I wanted to touch on something there because, you know, this is this is a this this was written by somebody that probably is has not done ayahuasca, not in that community, mm-hmm. um, and you can tell by the way they talk about it. But I I have seen a lot of good things when it talks about healing properties and spiritual growth and cleansing. I have seen a lot of people talk about how ayahuasca has helped veterans of the GWAT get over their PTS and Mm -hmm. deal with their PTS. And, you know, it it, in conjunction with other things, but there, there's a growing number of GWAT veterans who are using it to help them deal with the PTS that they've come back from the war with. Mm-hmm. So they are using it in the sense that a lot of these shamans and, and groups of indigenous peoples have for a thousand years. 
They're not using it just to quote, get high. You know, it is a learning yeah. spiritual cleansing teaching thing for them. And, and they'll, they'll correct you real quick. This is not a drug. It's right. medicine. Right. And I know in this country, you know, we everything's use a drug in this country. That's right. But you know, that this is not a recreational thing. Right. Okay. This is a, a medicinal thing. Um, and, and so the, the culture views it that way. And so again, if, if this is, this is not something you're going to take and go to a concert or a party. Yeah, right. Okay. It's no, not, it's, you can't do this and go is. see the dead. So yeah, that's right. I mean, there, there's other things you can do to do that. Right. Right. <laughs> Matt will have a list on Patreon. <laughs> so be a, be a checklist, and everybody can go on and mark which ones you've tried. Right, right. It'll be a <laughs> it'll be a how deadhead are you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, so we got to talk about how ayahuasca is made, and this is according to the Ayahuasca Foundation online. Now, the Ayahuasca Foundation uses only two plants in its preparation of ayahuasca. The ayahuasca vine, which is uh, Banisteriopsis copy and chacruna leaves. So the first step is to clean the vine segments of moss or any other plant matter that is not ayahuasca. This can be done by washing the vine segments or by scraping the bark with a knife to ensure that nothing other than the ayahuasca vine will be going into the brew. Making ayahuasca is a long process, so sometimes the vines are cut and cleaned one day and prepared the next. Fasting is often practiced during the preparation of the sacred medicine to maintain energetic purity. Mm -hmm. So you'll see when we're talking about this, it's not just the ceremony of taking it that has a lot of structure and religious stuff around it. It's also the ceremony of making it because again, this is considered medicine and a holy substance. This is not just a party drug. Right. Yeah. It, this is, this is not a, a fun, fun thing. Right. It's, it's not intended to, I take this and have fun. It's, I take this and learn something, or I take this and grow now, once the vine segments are clean, they are then mashed with a wooden mallet or hammer. This breaks the vine into thinner strands, increasing the surface area and allowing more extraction of their medicinal essence. The vines are hard, so it's important to strike them well, but not so hard as to pulverize the segments. Sometimes the coranderos sing icaros during this process to communicate their intentions with the spirit of the vine and make the effect stronger. And the spirit of the vine is something you'll hear a lot because they believe in, in ayahuasca taking cultures that ayahuasca is in, in and of itself a living being, a spiritual being. Now, once the vine segments are mashed into thin strands, they're placed in the pot along with the chacruna leaves, which are torn into small pieces. Then Water is poured in it until it just covers the plant material entirely. The pot is put over a fire and brought to a boil. Cooking times vary greatly, as do cooking temperatures, controlled by the size of the fire, 
but the goal is the same, to reduce the water in the pot while absorbing the medicinal essence of the plants being cooked. So like anything that you're trying to extract medicinal properties from an herb. I know anytime I make tinctures or anything like that for medicinal purposes, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Usually I'm doing it in an oil because of my preparation, but it's the same process. You boil these leaves or stems or vines, whatever, in this oil and then concentrate it down so that you get just the medicinal property of that vine. Mm -hmm. Right. So you don't have to sit out there and, and chew on a 40-foot vine. Right. <laughs> I'm only halfway through this 40-foot vine, so I feel nothing yet. Give me another 20-foot and I got it. It's much easier when you boil it down and concentrate it. Right. <laughs> now, when the curanderos feel the brew has cooked long enough, the water is removed from the pot and saved, leaving the plant material in the pot. This is called the first wash. More water is then added to the plant material, and the boiling process is repeated. This procedure may be done several times with the same plant material. Each reduction increases the strength of the final brew because more medicine is extracted each time and more liquid is produced from the last reduction, when it's, uh, which is done without plant material. So once all the reductions are done, just the liquid is combined and put back on the fire to reduce further. So all of the, the liquid that's been pulled out of the multiple washes is combined into one pot. And then it is set to boil again to reduce yeah. this concentration down even further. This reduction is the final step of the cooking process and determines the strength of each dose. Therefore, the curanderos Watch carefully as the liquid is reduced, making sure that it is at the strength that he or she desires. They, they stay with the brew the entire time during its preparation. So it, it, as long as it takes, they're there to watch it and prepare it. They don't like set pasta to boil and walk off. Right. right. Yeah. You know, they're, they're babysitting it. Yeah. And it's interesting to me how, the the culture of the shaman dictates how they brew their the ayahuasca right you know there'll be subtle differences um based on how they you know grew to learn how to do it how, you know how they went through the process mm -hmm. um you know it, it's it's all it's all based and and I've even read about retreats that each night is led by a different shaman. And so you you may you may try four different brews oh, that yeah. that are are meant to facilitate um a, a a different experience. Right, different properties of the same vine. Right, yeah. Now, when the brew is finally done cooking, it's taken off the fire to cool. Dozens of liter liters of water are reduced into one or two liters of prepared medicine. So the final step when the brew has cooled is to filter the medicine to remove any remaining plant material. This is often done with a fine cloth. Now, the curanderos then say a final prayer over the medicine to bless it. The brown liquid is then put into a bottle to save for the ceremony. So when it's reduced down, it becomes kind of a, a, a dark tea color, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe even darker, closer to coffee. 
Yeah. And, and of varying thicknesses. Right. Um, you know, the, some people say it's, it's, it's like tea, you know, it, it, you essentially drink it, you know, sometimes it's a bit thicker. Syrupy. Yeah. And I even read one where it was more like a paste and you, mm-hmm. you had to kind of force it down. You know, yeah. you ever take toothpaste and, you know, when you're a kid, stick it on your tongue and then you go to swallow and you're like, yeah. Okay. Um, Never done you know, that, it, but that's I, what I understand. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what they're talking about. You know, each shaman makes it a little bit differently and the concentration may be different. You know, the texture may be different. Right. Now, this next bit comes from Shakruna.net. So it, it's named after the leaves that are in the, mm-hmm. the brew there. Now, the vine, scientifically cataloged as the Banisteriopsis copy, is a plant native to the Amazon basin. However, the cultural territories of ayahuasca go beyond the tributaries of the Great River, extending to the regions of the Andes, the Caribbean, the Pantanal, and the Atlantic rainforest. Approximately 160 ayahuasca-using indigenous groups are found in Ecuador, Brazil, Bolivia, Colombia, Panama, Peru, and Venezuela. So one of the misconceptions is that it's a small group of people in a very remote area yeah. that, that use it. It's not. Ayahuasca is a widely used uh, medicine, but within certain cultures, and, and it's highly regulated, not by the government, but by the shamans and the people of these cultures. Right. You know, it, it's not a, a government-regulated thing, but... The people just say, no, we, you know, this is this is medicine. This is spiritual medicine. We don't take this and party. That's you right. Know, because it, when we get into what happens to you. <laughs> you'll see why. You'll understand why. Although, I, I've, I've been to a few parties like this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> They usually end like you'll, this. They don't start like this, though. Or the next morning. Yeah. Yeah. I've woken up feeling like I was in the start of an ayahuasca trip. That was a whole nother thing. Ayahuasca is, a diver- is as diverse as the peoples who traditionally use it. It's a drink with many names, preparation techniques, composition, and forms of ingestion, like Matt was saying. Hmm. The, the knowledge and practices surrounding ayahuasca and other medicines of indigenous peoples make up our scientific, cultural, and genetic heritage is what this is saying. So the bee copy is a source of harming. It's an alkaloid that inhibits the breakdown in the digestive system of DMT, the dimethyltryptamine. The psychoactive substance that the other plant supplies. So the slowing of this alkaloid allows for it to stay in the body long enough to pass through the blood-brain barrier in order for it to have its effect, Yeah. right? And I'll touch on it here in a minute, but if if you just ate it by itself, yeah, then you would digest it and go through you and you wouldn't have the effect. So they have to combine these two plants to get the substance that they're desiring to react with the body the way they want it to. 
Right. Now, I'll I'll briefly touch on it in a minute, but I, I want to ask you about this, Matt. I've seen many times through many different cultures of people saying this, the plants taught us which plants to use. Right. So basically in a meditative state, the shamans were told by the ayahuasca vine itself to use it and the chacruna leaves Mm -hmm. to then be able to communicate with ayahuasca. So does this to you, Matt, sound like it does to me where I I, kind of believe, uh, like I've said, we've lost touch. A lot of us have lost touch with our surroundings because of our fast paced life and and we don't do that. But I also believe that a lot of different things have a a spiritual presence and can speak to you if you listen Mm -hmm. to it. Does that not sound kind of like what this is? Because if if it was just two dudes sitting around in the forest chewing vines until they figured out what worked, how many generations? Because you know how many plants are in the the Amazon basin there. So how right. many how many vines did Bill and and Jerry have to chew on mm. to figure out the right combination? I know, and and it does it does sound like that. And you'll hear stories about the the call of the ayahuasca or the call of the ayah. Um, and that's what they're talking about. You know, it the, the spirit of this vine. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's named, you know, that for a reason. Right. But it if you look at it logistically, you're kind of like, how in the world? I mean, there's. At least I don't see any logical reason why they would have ever said this plant we need to use for healing, but we have to have to use this plant too. I mean, right. you, you break it down. There's no reason for number one, them to know that this particular plant was going to be healing because you can imagine if, if an early shaman that didn't know was trying to come up with, you know, an herbal mixture for a treatment for whatever they're, they're, they're taking this ayahuasca, grinding it up, brewing it in teas, eating it, snorting it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not doing anything. Right. So right. what would your thought be? This, this doesn't work. This, yeah. This vine, this plant doesn't have any medicinal value. Right. So you leave it alone. Right. Because you didn't know until you tried it and nothing happened. So, number two, they have to know to go get this other plant and combine the two so that in the body, this will, this will occur. It will, it will allow that passage over the blood-brain barrier that would produce the psych, uh, psychoactive response. Mm-hmm. There... <laughs> As long as this has been done, yeah, they, they knew how to do this before they knew what the blood brain barrier was. Right. Right. I mean, right. I don't, I don't see any other way. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, a spirit didn't, didn't come to them in meditation, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, I, I just, it's hard for me to see somebody getting an idea to take this plant that doesn't seem to do anything 
and mix it with this one yeah, just to randomly. make it work. Yeah. And and like you're saying, if you were to take just the ayahuasca vine, you'd get nothing. So it's not like where we get aspirin. Basically, it's salicylic acid, mm-hmm. which if you take white willow bark and it breaks down in the body, it become the salicylin in white willow bark becomes salicylic acid when it breaks down in your body, thus creating an herbal form of, of aspirin. Mm-hmm. The indigenous tribes of North America knew this. And they were using, they were chewing white willow bark when they had pains, when they had headaches. They were putting poultices of white willow bark on sores, all this stuff, because they knew it had a pain relieving effect. Yeah. But that's one, one bark. All you got to do is take it one time and you realize the effect. Yeah. It's not like I take this and nothing happens. So I have to find this other leaf and combine it. And then I've got the effect. Yeah, I, I, it just amazes me how they figured it out by how long it took them to figure it out if they weren't told by a spirit. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a combination there. Um, I think there was some spiritual guidance, but I, I, I imagine there was a lot of trial and error, too. I'm sure you know? there was some, yeah. yeah. So, you know, what, but you look and you're thinking, did the white willow stand out to them? Yeah. Maybe not in a manner of, this has a medicinal quality, but was there something that was different about it to them? Something they saw or felt or whatever mm-hmm. that made them go, let's try this. Maybe. This yeah. is this, this looks different. This looks unique. So let's give it a shot. And you try it in all these different manners. You know, mm-hmm. you, you eat it, you grind it up, you... You make a POTUS out of it. You you know you brew it into a tea, whatever, and you see, is this special looking tree with this special looking bark? Does it do anything? Right. And you learn. It's just where did the guidance to go to that particular tree come from? Right. You know, that's right. why I said that's why it makes me feel like there's a spiritual guidance there that says this is special. You figure out why. You know. Yep. Yep. All right, Matt. So it's kind of crazy around here with all the after school stuff that we got going with Ashley's job, with my job, all that stuff. And we just don't have time to go to the grocery store every week. And I mean, it's not worth it anyway. You stand in a long line. Yeah. You pay a lot of money for it. Well, especially these days. Oh, yeah. The thing that we have done that has helped us out the most is HelloFresh. And, and we've talked about HelloFresh before, but HelloFresh is a, a meal delivery service, and you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip all the trips to the grocery store that we hate and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. And like I said, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into like the dinner time recipe rut. Oh yeah. You know, we're, oh well we're gonna have a we're gonna have ramen noodles tonight. Oh we're gonna have dad's special meatloaf tonight, you know, and it's just a bunch of ground beef thrown in a pan and pray for the best. 
<laughs> but with HelloFresh, you can keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week. So there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. Yeah, I, and it's so crazy at, at my house, too, um, that having the time to go to the store, it's just, it's non-existent. Um, so having HelloFresh right there on the doorstep when you get home, you're just like, ah. Oh. Thank goodness. I mean, dinner is taken care of. And my kids, they love it. Honestly, the last half a dozen HelloFresh meals we've cooked, I haven't touched a thing until I dug in to eat. That's nice. The kids just take it over. They they love it. And the recipe cards are so easy to follow. Um, The pre-portioned ingredients, I don't have to worry about the kids mixing up a teaspoon and a tablespoon (laughs) right right that's extra salty tonight kids what's going on that's right and and the food uh man it's it's always it's always fantastic Mm -hmm. and and you know this fall um we're looking forward to doing some some fall recipes like um like the apple cider cake with caramel sauce oh man that you're speaking my language here that sounds great yeah, or the mini pumpkin cheesecake. Um, that sounds good. Not as good as the apple cider to me. I'm not as big of a pumpkin fan, but I bet it's going to be amazing. Dude, I love cheesecake, so I will let you know because you know we're trying it. <laughs> the barbecued pulled pork nachos. Mm. I mean, talk about hitting it out of the park for dinner. Oh, I'm you telling. Just, you can't beat it. So if you guys want to get on the HelloFresh train like Adam and me, just go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Graveyard. That's 5-0-G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D. And use our code 50 Graveyard to get 50% off plus free shipping. That's right. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Graveyard. 5-0-G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D. And use our code 50 Graveyard. And you'll get 50% off plus free shipping. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. All right. So we need to kind of talk about the origins of the ceremony. Mm -hmm. We kind of touched on it, but this comes from uh, Spirit Vine Treats. So I, I, I like the name of it because people do call ayahuasca the spirit vine, and then this is spirit vine treats. But the use of ayahuasca, they say, in the indigenous shamanistic traditions of South America appears to date back several thousands of years. Others have argued that its rise was far more recent, but based on more ancient traditions. The most popular claims point to a 5,000-year history of ayahuasca use. But this has been contested, it says, largely because the peoples of the Amazon did not use written language, and there's a complete lack of any other archaeological evidence supporting it. So this leads to two intriguing questions. How did people without the benefit of modern medical technology discover that an MAOI inhibitor mixed with a DMT-containing plant would create such an effect? Mm-hmm. Like what we were just talking, talking about. about. Yeah. Yep. When did they discover it? Sadly, the origins of the ayahuasca ceremony are lost to the mist of time, this says. But there is, however, evidence that certain groups in different regions of South America inhaled or smoked DMT-containing plants. These methods of intake, they say, bypass the 
MAOI uh, in the stomach so that there is no need for an, or the MA, MOA in the stomach, so mm-hmm. there's no need for an inhibitor. And this goes as far back as 900 BC. So many shamans say that the ritual started when the plants, specifically the ayahuasca, started communicating with the shamans in modified states of consciousness, such as dreams and visions. This is where they received the information to combine the two plants and prepare the ayahuasca brew. I, I'm, I, I still find it amazing. I'm flabbergasted mm-hmm. by that. It, but like they said, the, there's no written history of this. So it was everything was passed down orally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of modern day... Historians and stuff say, well, if it wasn't written down, <laughs> then we don't believe it happened. Yeah. Instead of going, well, they've been talking about this in their oral history for thousands of years, so they must have been doing it for thousands of years. These guys are like, well, they didn't write it down in, a, in Encyclopedia Britannica, so obviously it's not real. And you tell, and, and you, you can tell those people, um, yeah, but... You you didn't think that there was anybody that inhabited the Amazon basin either. Right. Right. And and now with all the deforestation, we're finding the evidence of, you know, large cities. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. You know, in an area that we thought the humans did not live here. Yep. It was well, there's nothing written down of people living there, so they must not have lived there. That's right. Well, we got we got evidence that they did live here. You know, cities. Mm-hmm. You know, not just huts and you know, cities. Yep monolithic <laughs> cities yeah bigger you know, than some of today's cities so it, that that always you know goes god this has got to be super super old and where did these people go you mm-hmm. know who did they talk to who did they share their ideas with in their culture you know yeah. maybe these were maybe these were the original people that knew this is what this is how this works right and and they and they begin to share it and pass it down and then it spreads throughout the whole continent Right. Well, other than the plants telling them, it's also been suggested that the two types of plants, the copy vine for its purgative and emetic properties and a DMT containing plant smoke for visionary effect were used medicinally in combination with each other by accident by certain peoples, specifically natives of Tiwanaku, and an increase in the efficacy of the latter was noticed. Maybe. Yeah. But but the coincidence for that to happen. Right. I, you know, I, I I guarantee they used purgatives and emetics because they figured out they work. I, if I chew this vine, I'm going to puke my brains out and poop myself silly. But I'm going to feel better. Yeah, but I'll feel better afterward. And we know they were smoking the... Di- but why would you smoke DMT... And then on DMT go, you know what? I want to poop my pants. <laughs> let me take let me take this purgative. Here. Well, they probably yeah. weren't wearing pants. So- no, that's a good point. <laughs> but either way, why that's why right. would that accidentally why? be used together? That those two I in combination. I, I kind of have a feeling that maybe the first person that did it and had those purgative uh, purgative effects probably went like, oh. Let's not do that again. Yeah, let's stay away from this one. <laughs> Oopsie. Oopsie poopsie. Literally. Um, 
Now, it says these are some of the most common questions asked about ayahuasca. One, how long do the effects last? Well, they can last between four to six hours, and that, that's the average length of time for mm-hmm. the effects. How do I know what ingredients are in my specific ayahuasca drink? It says making ayahuasca is not something you can learn to do overnight, and there are many different shamans many of whom hail from different cultural backgrounds and schools of thought as to what makes the best brew. It's only by speaking with your facilitator that you can know what is in the brew and how each ingredient will affect you. Well, can I have a, quote, bad trip? And this one I hear all the time. Yeah. It says, as with using all consciousness-modifying plants and substances, a negative experience is possible. Most true devotees of ayahuasca would advise against using the brew if all you want is a trip, however. There is a reason why so many um, exist in parts of the in, in parts of South America where the use of the drink is a traditional culture cultural thing rather than a recreational activity. These isolated spots, often it says of great natural beauty, are usually created to enhance the experience deepening the drinker's connection with the earth and the natural world. So like we said, even they, this is not something you want to take if you want to just trip. That's right. That that would be the equivalent of t- blindfolding somebody and going, we're going to put you on a golf cart now and putting them on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, whoa, I didn't sign up for this. Yep. And like it said, with anything, if you have a consciousness altering substance then yeah you could have a bad trip yeah but that's the reason why these are done through guided experiences with experienced practitioners to help you through these things so you don't have a completely bad trip run off into the jungle tearing your clothes off and and vomiting and pooping as you go you know they're there to kind of keep you contained and and, and bring safe. you back yeah. yeah and safe and and back to the calm in 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 learning aspect of ayahuasca right right so let's look at uh a, some common experiences here so the tea is not the most delicious drink that you will taste, it says. Many people who have tried ayahuasca find that the more times they drink ayahuasca, um, the tougher it actually is to ingest. Yeah. So it's like you can get it down the first time, but then the second time you remember what it tasted like, and you're like, <laughs> yes. oh, God, no. <laughs> and we all have taken medicine or something that's like that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. The first time you're just so surprised by it that you get it down, but the second time you... You got to work yourself up to it because you're like, oh, God. Because you know, like you know what's coming. Like, oh. Yep. <laughs> says some centers actually provide lime and ginger to overcome the feeling of nausea that may be induced by the tea. says there will be some degree of purging. Nausea, vomiting, and crying are all possibilities. And so all are, at the same time. Uh, yeah, all <laughs> at the same time. Um, says so, so are other effects. Most centers provide a bucket and have bathrooms located near the ayahuasca ceremony room and helpers available to get you there and back if you need them. It says, so far, so bad, right? Uh, You know, 
roundabout now, it says you're, you might be forgiven for wondering why anyone would choose to put themselves through the ayahuasca experience. Right. Yeah. It's, and if you look and see, um, some of the photographs, um, that you'll see from the, the retreat places <laughs> and everybody, you know, sitting in this little hut or cottage or whatever, and they've all got buckets, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and that was a common, that was a common theme from all the experiences I read was, um, you, you kind of got to, you, you, you don't worry about that. I'm, I'm puking next to somebody, you know, and there's maybe somebody else mm-hmm. right here. You know, and God forbid you have to turn around and drop trowel. And you're yeah, like, right. At that point, you you don't really care who's there. You know, it's like yep. it's it's yep. coming. I can't I can't control it. So and and they're gonna do the same thing in about five minutes. I was gonna minutes. say they're probably doing it too. So <laughs> now, how do you prepare for ayahuasca? Well, the physical preparations. It says a period of healthy diet, no alcohol, tobacco, and caffeine will definitely make the physical side of your ceremony easier. Yeah. The less toxins you have in your system before you drink the tea, the better. And and I'll go a step further. I found where it said no red meat, mm-hmm. no pork, no sex. Okay. So I I, I, I I saw that too, but I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't either. Um but whatever. Um, and I thought I could, I, you know, I could pull all that off. No booze, you know, no tobacco, no caffeine or the mm-hmm. caffeine. Maybe, maybe the hardest one you thought I was going to say sex, didn't you? No, <laughs> I could do that. The caffeine is a vital part of my diet. <laughs> well, and but, the no cheese. Yeah. And that's it. No cheese. Why? When I saw no cheese, I was like, I may be out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. No caffeine, no cheese. I'm done. I probably eat cheese. No, I don't probably. I do. I eat cheese every day. Same. Same. (laughs) I mean, it's one of my favorite foods. Mm -hmm. I buy blocks of cheese just to eat pieces of it as snacks. Yes. 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 So. I mean, I will actually reach my hand in and pull out you know, a handful of feta and just, mm-hmm. you know, yep. Yep. <laughs> I know it's I'm disgusting, but it's delicious. Yeah. I'm with you, dude. I, I got some dill cheese down there that I'd slice off pieces of it and just gnaw on it. And yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, I, I don't think I'll be doing ayahuasca anytime. <laughs> like if I got if I got if I got to cut out cheese for a couple of weeks, man, that's, mm-hmm. that's hard. Cheese and caffeine, I will be a miserable, <laughs> miserable cuss. That's, that's, you know, that's part of the food guide pyramid, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least here in the South, it is. <laughs> so the emotional and spiritual preparations, it says your mental state going into it will have a profound effect on what happens during it. Meditation, relaxation, breathing exercises, or yoga are all recommended ways of centering yourself before you first or, you know, or any of your ayahuasca journeys. It says reading accounts of those who report nothing but mind-numbing terror is only going to make you have the same reaction. So you should not indulge in such activities as watching news or anything that may disturb your mental balance. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that that's a common thing too is um mm-hmm. people talking about either kind of cutting that out and that includes social media yep um yep. but then coming back after their their experience with the idea of I, I don't I don't need that negativity today yep. you know so taking a day or two away from the news and social media after all this you know the pe- people are talking about you know, you're just dumping all that negativity back into your head that you're working so hard to get rid of. Right, right. It says, do it when you're ready. How do you know when you're ready? Well, it's common to hear people talking about the, quote, call of ayahuasca and just knowing that it was the right time. This call comes in the way of a feeling or an intuition. You may start reading or hearing about ayahuasca everywhere and all of a sudden. So, this podcast may be the call of ayahuasca for you. Yeah. And if it is, you need to tell us about your journey. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It says you can look for retreats that offer activities, which are uh, complementary to ayahuasca without being overly stressful. Remember that ayahuasca itself is a very intense experience. So having a lot of other activities can lead to draining your energy. This is undesirable because your energy is vital to a productive and deep ayahuasca experience. Some centers, such as Spirit Vine in Brazil, offer workshops during the retreat that help you prepare and navigate the ayahuasca ceremony, which is very helpful for people who are new to the experience or are looking to go deeper into it. So, yeah. So, you know, people to help guide you along, you know, not just while you're uh, under the influence. But, you know, before and in between, because it's this is not a one shot deal. Right. The, the fewest right. I've seen that I've read about, it was at least two nights. Yeah. But most often it's up to four. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this isn't a, hey, I'm going to go do this thing tonight. No, it's not. But there are people there to guide you in activities. I know one story said, you know, for the the hours that they had on their own prior to the ceremony, you know, they were, they were instructed to rest, meditate, take a Mm -hmm. nap, whatever, you know, to prepare their body and their mind for this experience, because you certainly wouldn't have, you know, wanted to, uh, you know, finish doing your taxes and then run in there and go, all right, I'm ready, doc. It's not going to be very good for you. You don't want to like, doom scroll through social media before going on the reader. Right. So on the night of your ceremony, it says you should be feeling serene, expectant, and peacefully prepared to accept whatever it is ayahuasca shows you. It says that you should also be in a calm and supportive environment with experienced facilitators or shamans who you have confidence in. Ayahuasca ceremonies are generally held at night in a ceremonial hut known as a maloca. Now you should you should be provided with a comfortable mattress to sit or lie on. Having basic physical comfort is a great way to begin your journey with ayahuasca. If not, then it may create unnecessary reactions that lead to a bad trip. So if you're laying on hard dirt. <laughs> yeah, you if, know, you're, with, if you're uncomfortable. That's with gonna... rocks poking in your back and ants biting you, you're going to have a bad trip. Now, the last thing I got, it says, how long will it last? says there's no hard or fast rule, but somewhere around four hours is the normal length of the ceremony, it says. 
The effects of the revelations provided by ayahuasca usually last much longer. For that reason, there's a lot to be said for taking ayahuasca in a well-organized retreat where you'll have the time and support needed to process the experience. And it's also advisable to take some time off after the retreat to relax and reflect on the insights received during the retreat. Yeah. Choosing a place with natural surroundings and low stress levels is very beneficial to this process. And that's why a lot of them are out in the country, away from cities, and yeah. you know, you're in a peaceful, natural environment, and there is a, quote, retreat, mm-hmm. so that you can say, okay, well, I'm going to stay here another couple days afterward to you know, help my mind adjust again and, and enjoy this. Yeah. Because it is a powerful, emotional thing. And a lot of these um, these retreat uh, venues, you know, they'll they're kind of luxurious in the times when you're not um, actively taking the medicine, um, you know, to help you to relax, much like a spa, yeah. you know, yeah. massages and and you know meditation times, you know, things like that. Yep. It's all it's all there. You know, you need to you know, have one of those, uh, you know, uh, sit in a, a sauna, you know, really, you know, get all those toxins out, you know, that that's available at a lot of these places. Uh, and it's important. It's, it's not just a way to pamper you. It, it's a way to help you get in that state of mind, you know, to, to be able to accept this and get something out of it and not walk right. away from it. Terrified. Traumatized. And, you know, smelling like a truck stop bathroom. Right. right. <laughs> and, then, and one of the, it's a good place to clean your pants. Yeah, too, that's after, right. you, <laughs> after you do the inevitable. Yeah. But, uh, but one of the experiences I read was from, uh, a man named Noah Kagan and he wrote on his website. Um, he, he explains that there's some, there's some few good things that he felt were good to know going in. He said, embracing the pain is good. So, and, and, and he, he's talking about emotional pain. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. So I love me a good cold turkey sandwich with cheese and mayo on it. But I hate quitting anything cold turkey. That, oh. That's just, that's the worst. And there are easier ways to break your bad habits than going cold turkey. And what we're talking about, it's not voodoo, it's not hypnosis, it's not something that your crazy neighbor told you to do, but we're talking about fume, that's F-U-M. And they look at the problem in a different way, you know, because not everything about a bad habit is wrong. So instead of some drastic, uncomfortable, cold turkey sandwich to the face change, just remove the bad from your habit. And Fume is an innovative award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. Yeah, I mean, you get it. Instead of a, a bad, Fume is good. I, and not only that, with my particular bad habit, it has so much to do with using my hands, you know, reaching up to my face periodically, um, all of that. And 
you know, fume gives me something that feels great in your hand. It's got a nice weight. It's clicky. You can spin it. It's very fidgety, so it, it takes care of that that hand fixation, you know, of, of messing with something. But then the flavors, my choice is the maple pepper. Um, yeah. That just kind of that just kind of clicks for me, and you know, instead of reaching, you know, for that old habit, I just say, Nah, I'm gonna reach for the fume. Yep. And just breathe and take, through the fume and get that nice flavored yeah, air. That's right, and you're you're doing everything the same, but you've just taken the bad out of your habit. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy. It's enjoyable, and it's even fun. Fume has served over a hundred thousand customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. So join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits. By picking up the journey pack today, head to tryfume.com, that's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com, and use our promo code TALES, T-A-L-E-S, to save 10% when you get the journey pack today. That's right. That's tryfume, T-R-Y-F-U-M.com, and use our code TALES, T-A-L-E-S, to get 10% off your order today when you order the journey pack. Um, he said, don't fight it or run away from it. Go in and go through it. That's the best way to deal and solve it. And we're going to talk about that more specifically in, in some of these experiences. It says, judgment is your own insecurity. You know, judging yourself, judging others, that's where insecurity lies. The, mm-hmm. You know, that person's wrong, that person's wrong, that person's wrong because you're you're judging them because of your own insecurities. Right. Because, right. you know, if you were secure, you wouldn't need to judge them or even want to. Yeah, and, and you wouldn't care what they think. Exactly. And and you wouldn't be so judgmental to yourself, which right. is which is the key here. And lastly, uh, Kagan says, you have everything you need. Run into yourself. You know, you, you've got everything that you need to get through this, whatever right. it is. And the ayahuasca experience helps you to do that, helps you to get to that point where you can, you can learn the tools that you have to work through these things. And, right. you know, it's people use this for a myriad of things, but most Commonly, you'll hear people about, you know, working through past trauma. You know, Adam mm-hmm. mentioned, um, you know, GIs working on um, helping their PTSD, you know, to, to work through these things. Sometimes it's, you know, repressed emotions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I read a, a brief story about a woman who, who was doing it um, to help her deal with the suicide of her son. Yeah. and. And it, most everybody you read that has an ayahuasca experience will talk about that regardless of what it was like for them, they come out with a different perspective. Sure. Yep. You know, maybe not on Very everything, personal. but on, on something, they, they have a new respect 
for it. They they look at it differently. It, it it's not what it was, and, and mm-hmm. sometimes that is yourself. And a lot of yeah. a lot of times, yep. you know that that's what it was for. But I, I've heard a lot of people say it helps with survivor's guilt from oh, yeah. war veterans yeah. and stuff. You know, you had the survivor's guilt. Why why them and not me? Mm-hmm. And all this and and their ayahuasca is a way that it helps you understand and, and get beyond that. Yeah. So after reading multiple personal experiences, I tried to narrow down what most people said about their journey, and 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 I wound up kind of concentrating it down to to two different experiences um, that these guys wrote about, and. You know, and I told Adam, I said, look, I said, these are some long stories. I mean, these people just let it all out. Um, so I, I tried to condense it as much as I could, but this will kind of give you an idea of of what to do. So of, of what but it would do for you. Now, what he's saying is buckle up, buttercup. That's it's right. It's going to be a ride. That's right. Um, now, these two different experiences, one was for, well, let's get let's get into it. You'll figure it out. So Alex Kruger, who wrote about his experience for Esquire in June of last year, 2022, Mm. um, he said, you know, he didn't go for the typical reasons like self-reflection or working through some past trauma or even just spiritual awareness. Alex suffered with severe dizziness due to an inner ear issue. Mm. And he explains that his life view had always been tilted, like actually tilted, you know, like he's looking and, and things are off kilter, you know? So his, his world is a little off kilter and, you know, as odd as that sounds, imagine that being the case for you every single minute of every day of your life. Got to be rough. And it was so bad that Alex even writes that he wasn't sure that a life spent like this was actually worth living. You know, so mm-hmm. he was miserable and he talks about, you know, he had tried everything. You know, he said he was doubtful uh, but when it, going into this, but he had tried everything else and nothing had helped. He'd been right. to numerous doctors. You know, years and years of of trying new things, different treatments, and and nothing was wrong. But they said they could see the problem on the MRI, yeah. But nobody could fix it. It's got to be frustrating. Yeah. So Alex writes on the first night of his retreat, he he describes how he felt. It was as if, as if, uh, it was as if he was floating into space. Hearing the call of Mother Aya, who he referred to as Space Lady. But he, he he said he kept asking, what can I do for my ear? What can I do for my ear? You know, he wanted to fix his ear, which apparently wasn't correct. And he noticed that the space dissipated around him and he found himself stuck. He says he was unable to form thoughts. He realized that he was now inside the body of an insect. Like hmm. he, he says it was a cricket and he was hopping around the room with no real purpose. You know, couldn't, couldn't formulate a, a conscious thought. He's just hopping mindlessly around. 
But he said he had this awareness that his body was far away, you know, that it was over somewhere, laying, convulsing, whatever. But he wasn't in it. So the next day, Alex said he wasn't sure that he wanted to try again. But after speaking to the other participants and hearing their stories, he agreed to work through the second night with this advice. Not to fight the medicine. Yeah. You know, that's what he was told. He was like, if this was your experience, it's because you were fighting it. You were trying to control it. Yep. And you can't control it. On that note, not to interrupt you, but it goes along with it. I, I was hearing a, a guy talk, he wanted to go do this to deal with trauma from his mother. Hmm. So when he got into that state, he was trying to force it to go to his mom to deal with this. And he said it, it kept like it would it would go somewhere else. And I try to force it back and it goes somewhere else. And finally, he said the medicine said not now. And he said, so I gave into it and I had to learn other things first before it took me to dealing with my mother. So I think it's interesting that this guy has a similar thing. He was trying to lead it in a direction. And so it said, go sit in this cricket, dummy. Right. You want, you want to try to tell me what to do? Go sit in a cricket for a while. Yeah. And so, and Man, so that way you, you could do that to people. Go sit in a cricket. <laughs> go sit in a cricket. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to use that as a put down from now on. Go sit in a cricket, boy. <laughs> so he, he kind of thought. All right. Well, this obviously wasn't right. And he was willing to give it another go. And so he said the next night he did get to meet the space lady again. But instead of asking insistently how to fix his ear, he asked what he could learn about his ear. There you go. And he learned that instead of focusing on the problems with his left ear, which was the one that was the issue. He was, he was told to learn to focus on his functioning right ear, to try to make it match the left, to find balance. Oh, yeah. Now, Alex said that when it was over, he looked at the fireplace that appeared tilted to him before taking the medicine, and it wasn't tilted anymore. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, he goes on to write that, the dizziness did return. This, this wasn't a cure. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it was different. It it wasn't so severe, but Alex said he was no longer hopeless and desperate. And for the first time he felt that he could get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so finding that balance between everything being so negative, but let's, Let's make the positive one come and meet the negative one halfway, mm-hmm. you know, instead of fix this. Well, let's just make it work, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, people think, well, this is a cure-all. No, it, it doesn't cure. Right. It teaches you how to cope or how to work on the problem that you can't figure out how to work on yourself. Right. So it taught him how to deal with it and maybe the the tricks and tips that nobody else could teach him 
to to get through it and to deal with it. And like you said, he's not hopeless anymore afterwards. Right. And yeah, you know, this stuff, yeah, it's not curative. And you you could compare this to say um acupuncture. You know, mm-hmm. Eastern medicine's been around for thousands of years. My my thought on it always is if 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 it didn't work, if it didn't do anything, why have they been doing it for thousands of years? Right. You know, somebody right. would have stood up and said, hey, this don't work. You know, let's quit. You know, let's quit drinking this nasty tea. Let's quit poking needles in one another and find something mm-hmm. else. But they kept doing it and they kept learning because it was working. It was helping. Um, And and you, it's very similar if you think about acupuncture, because the the whole point of acupuncture is to unblock the energy channels within your body. You know, to open up those meridians and allow the energy to flow like it's supposed to. And that allows your body to heal itself. Yeah. You know, it's not healing you. It's allowing your body to do what it's designed to do. This Mm -hmm. is essentially allowing your brain to heal itself. It's not healing you. It's it's putting you in a position where you can heal yourself. You can Mm -hmm. work through the problems. So, you know, the all of you that didn't know what ayahuasca was and you thought, oh, people are going to go trip. It's it's not what you thought. Yeah, right. You know, it, it certainly it wasn't exactly what I thought either. And and so the more I looked at it, that's why I say, you know, I'm not so sure that I'm I'm ready, ready to do this. Yep. Now, this next one, um, this one was this story was, was fantastic. And, and it was so good that I had to share it with Amanda when I was doing the research. I was like, you know, we, let's talk about this. This is, this is powerful. And this one, uh, comes from Sean Illing and he wrote about his ayahuasca experience for, uh, Vox.com, V-O-X.com. Now, a lot of this is going to be direct quotes because I couldn't figure out a way to say it any better. Okay. Um, so Sean writes inside the loud stuffy, uh, ceremony room, people were laughing, crying, chanting, gyrating, and yes, vomiting around me. When my time finally comes, I think just aim for the bucket and keep your (laughs) ass above your head. Like the shaman told you, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so, Hey, you know, here, here we go. We're, We're in, we're in for a wild ride. But he says, I try to wipe my face, but I can't grab the tissue paper because it melts away every time I reach for it. He's like, nearby, a man starts to scream. I can't make out what he's saying on account of the shaman singing these beautiful Colombian songs in the other room. Said, I finish vomiting and start crying and laughing and smiling all at once. Said, something has been lifted in this purge. Something dark and deep I was carrying around for years. It says relief washes over me and I slowly make my way back to my mattress on the floor. Now, the approach at this retreat center, which this one in particular is called Rhythmia. Um, if you if you look up uh, Rhythmia, you'll see, you know, they're one of the the most recognized uh, ayahuasca retreat center. Um, there's been a lot of celebrities that have gone to Rhythmia. So it's it's a very well-known. Um, and he says, 
it's it's all encompassing. He said during the day they pamper you with all these luxuries, massages, mud baths, organic food, yoga classes, even colonic cleanses. You know, oh, great. Let's get rid of it before you get rid of it after you drink the tea. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. It probably is. Um, but he says at night, you drink ayahuasca and put, your, put yourself through emotional and physical hell. He says, the next day, I realized why I had no great revelations on the first night. I couldn't let go. Mm-hmm. I thought I was prepared for the trip, but anxiety got the better of me. As soon as I thought something, anything was about to happen, I tried to think myself out of the experience. And that's why most of the time it's not one night. That's right. You have to do two, three, four nights. It's almost like you got to, you got to wade into the shallow end to kind of get a feel for what it's like before you jump off the diving board. Well, and they probably know from thousands of years of experience that everybody the first time tries to fight it. And oh yeah, because as humans, we want to be in control. Mm-hmm. And it, I know personally, it is one of the scariest things for me to not be in control of what happens to me. Right. I I, I don't like that. Yeah, that you know? that's the ultimate. If you if yeah. you can't control what's going on with your own body, mm-hmm. you know you can't control anything. If you can't control yourself, you can't control anything else. Mm-hmm. And and Sean goes on to explain that for the next two nights, he had varying experiences, like seeing his mother's life and how stressful it was for her having a child at age 20. And he says he felt any resentment he may have held for her turn into compassion and better understanding. So he says in these flashes, he saw his, his childhood through his mother. And, and, and That's felt, interesting. yeah, felt the, the, the pain and the stress and the worry and the anxiety of, of being a young mother. And, and it changed his outlook. It changed huh. his perspective. But then he describes seeing his wife and special moments from early in their relationship and how he could feel the grass he could see their bicycles behind them from an afternoon they spent at the lake. So, but the but he says the hallucination shortly turned dark, and in his words, Sean says, "I start to see every moment of our relationship in which she reached out to me and I missed it. Mm. I see her asking me to go to a meditation class and I decline." I see her pause to ask me to connect at the peak of a mountain after a long hike in Boulder, Colorado, and I shrug it off. I see her ask me to go dancing at a show near our apartment, and I watch myself mindlessly decline. He says, I see myself stuck in my own head, my own thoughts, my own impulses, and I see the disappointment in her face. He said, I see her. I, I see her see me miss an opportunity to reconnect. Hmm. Imagine how crushing that would feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I can't. Yeah. But this is the cool part. 
He said, then I relive all those moments again. And this time I see myself do or say what I should have done or said. And I see the joy in her face. He said, I see it so clearly that it hurts. And I see how much time I wasted and how much love I withheld. And when, when I read that, I, I went to Amanda and I said, this is probably one of my biggest fears oh, is yeah. yep. Yep. thinking about when I've had a, a rough day or I'm in a bad mood or something's going on and I blow you off or I, or I, I'm not paying attention to something you're telling me and I miss an opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. to, to connect with her. And I see how devastating that would be to witness it. You know, even if it's in your own mind, you're seeing something that you, that really happened. Yeah. Yeah. And then to be able to see how you could have done better. So, I mean, it really just takes all of your shortcomings, all of, all of your problems, all of the, the, bad things you feel about yourself and just sticks them right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even so Sean describes the fourth and last night of his retreat as the most honest mirror you will ever see. That, that probably hard because a lot of us, myself included mm-hmm. have trouble honestly looking at ourselves in the metaphorical mirror. Right. And seeing what's wrong. Yeah. And it, and it, it sounds like from what you're saying and everything I've read, ayahuasca forces you to do that and to see you for who you are. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's what it does. And, and that is, that's terrifying in in a lot of ways, because I think, I think as human beings, because I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience. You can justify your actions or your behavior to yourself a thousand different ways. Sure. Okay. And it doesn't make you right. It doesn't make you wrong, but it most certainly doesn't make you right. And, you know, you could do absolutely anything and figure out a way in your head to justify what you did. If you talk in enough circles, you can justify it. And. I think you do that to protect your, your, yourself, because mm-hmm. sure. if you really sat down and, and looked at something that you've done in your past, then it hurts and you don't oh, want to yeah. hurt. Yep. And I think that's what, you know, going to therapy helps, helps you get through all that. And there's a lot of people that will say that, that an ayahuasca retreat is like, 10 years of therapy all into one. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how much that is accurate, but you know, I can see it's it. definitely like being baptized by fire. I mean, you're not going to have oh, yeah. somebody that's like going, well, tell me about that. Well, let's talk. Does that bother you? You know, to, to bring you along slowly to deal with something, right. um, you right. know, this is going to like rip it out and stick it in your face and go, <laughs> what about this? Look at <laughs> remember it. Remember this? Look at it. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. I remember it reminds me of the, there was a Saturday Night Live skit that was, you know, said, 
You remember those Pepper Farm cookie commercials? Those Pepperidge Farm? Yeah. And yeah. it would say, you know. Pepperidge pepper, Farm, remember? Pepper, <laughs> see, that's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you remember that trip to Vegas where you killed that said, <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers that yeah. we think you ought to buy a few more of these mulatto cookies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it it does. It's like I remember, you know Mama Ayahuasca remembers. That's right. And and you're gonna remember too. And it's not necessarily gonna be pleasant. So he goes on Ayahuasca Farms remembers. <laughs> That's right. But he he goes on um to say this, he says, I watch my entire life unfold as though it were projected on a movie screen. He said, but it wasn't my whole life. It was every lie, every counterfeit pose, every missed opportunity to say or do something true, every false act and ingratiating gesture, every pathetic attempt to be seen in a certain light said, I see myself as a child groveling for attention from the popular kids. said, I'd see my 12-year-old self throwing a tantrum in the mall because my dad wouldn't buy me the Nautica shirt that all those popular kids were wearing. I see myself in high school pretending to be something I was not, and I see all the doubts piling up inside me. I see all the times I self-censored purely out of fear of judgment. Worrying about what someone else was going to think about him. Mm-hmm. He said, I see myself building my identity based on what I thought would impress other people. Now, Sean goes on and, and describes how unpleasant it is to see yourself from outside of yourself. Yep. He said, most of us aren't honest with ourselves about who we are and why we do what we do. And to clearly see it for the first time, it's painful. I believe it. But he says that his experience showed him that he needed to worry less about how he is perceived by others and more on making those connections that we often miss. And, you know, at the end of his article, he says, you know, this this was not this feeling didn't last. You know, after a few weeks, that semi euphoria that people describe, it dissipates. Sure. Um, but there's a lot that's left, you know, he see describes being in the airport, you know, after the retreat and this, everybody is in line trying to get through. And he said, people are annoyed and frustrated. He said, I'm just standing there smiling. He said, it wasn't bothering me. He said, a guy, yeah. a big, loud, rude guy rolled his daggum suitcase over his foot. He was just kind of like, okay, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not worth getting upset about, yeah. you know, it, it's just not worth it because there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that's going to happen. That's going to make me feel better, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, just right. go with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's really hard to do sometimes, you know, some people are better at it than others. Some people are better at it at certain things. There are th- certain things that I can just be like, yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm pretty flexible then, you know, but there are things that I am just unreasonably rigid about, you know, and, and I know completely the same way. Yeah, I get it. And there's things that I'll message you about Matt and I'm human. I am hot under the collar about, and Matt's like, dude, calm down. (laughs) It'll be all right. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
yeah, well, you you jerk, you don't. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. You're right. Yeah, and, and, and get over it. But <laughs> it, it is it is that thing. It's like there's some things that you just can let go, and other things you can't. But from everything I've learned, ayahuasca tries to give you that the the thing that you can let go mm-hmm. about a lot of stuff yeah. with everything. Yeah, it tries to teach you. Look, this is not that big a deal. It's not, you know, you're, you're emotional, you're overly emotional about this and it's not that big a deal. Just step back, look at it a different way. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, being, being forced into that, well, I say forced, I mean, you, you know, you're choosing to do this, Mm -hmm. but having not done it, I mean, everybody's had to do it the first time and have this wacky experience in order to 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 wade into this um but you know to to take that step to know okay this is this is going to be a wild ride um Mm -hmm. you know it's really hard and that's what made me kind of step back and go i don't know and it's not that i i you know i i don't think that i've got it all together hell i know i don't but i'm not I felt like I'm not ready to deal with this stuff in this yeah. manner just yet. Right. I, I right. know that a day may come that, you know, I would be more willing to go through this. Um, but that's a lot of baggage to unpack. And, right. and I don't, I don't want my suitcase exploded all over my room. Right. You don't want to sit in a cricket for a while either yet. Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't know after I definitely know this after after doing this research I would I would not approach this in a in a manner of I wouldn't take it lightly you know I wouldn't yeah. go this is going to be fun um because I know now it's that, it's, that, that it's not going to be it's hard to believe that Matt and I either one of us could go into something and not be smart Alex and joke about true, it but true yeah it, it is this is one of those things where if you do that ayahuasca will smack you into a cricket for a while right and go look wisen up and stop cracking jokes at me Mm -hmm. stop trying to force force your will upon me and just just deal with it and yeah i i think again like you said that would be a, a tough thing you know so it's it's one of those things that as i said earlier if it if it didn't have a benefit why did they continue to do it? You know, why mm-hmm. did these shamans continue to practice? You know, why did they continue to pass down the, the idea of the ceremony and, and what the benefit could be for the human existence? They, they would have stopped a long time ago. If all this did was make you have, you know, these crazy hallucinations and purge out of every orifice. I mean, you know, who's, who's going to want to do that, but there was something to it, you know, Mm -hmm. this, you know, this interaction with, with this, the spirit of ayahuasca, this mother Aya that was transformative and you know, it may not necessarily be, um, the most positive thing you've ever done right away. Um, you know, it may whatever your experience, it may take you more. 
if you're truly wanting to work through some of this stuff, just like you don't go sit down with a therapist one day and be like, hey, thanks, doc. I'm fixed. I'm out. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> right. work that way. And it it's not going to work that way with ayahuasca, you know, necessarily either. Um, as I said, I, I view it more as like this is a baptized by fire. You know, this mm-hmm. is that first session where the, you know, the doc locks the door, turns the, the clock around to face the wall and says, all right, let's get after it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. You know, so the hard interventions. And, and I'm curious if we, if we've got any listeners that have tried it. I, I know that this is because of, of what it is and the preparation and everything. This is not, this is like I said, this is not something you just decide to do one weekend, you know? The, so the, the likelihood I think is low, but, you know, with all the folks that we've got in this group and, you know, the, the multicultures that we have and the, you know, we've got folks on just about every continent that, that listen to the show. I'm, I'm thinking there's a chance we've got at least one or two that have had this experience, maybe more. Yep. Um, and you know, you, you may not like to, you may not want to share it and I completely understand, but I'm not, I wouldn't ask anybody to share what personal revelations they had. No, Just no. if you want to share maybe how you came to decide that this was something that you felt called to do, um, you know, what it was like, where you had to go, um, you know, were you scared? Were you nervous? I can't imagine being anything, but, you know, anything funny but, happened. Yeah. Like, so, were you putting a cricket or totally out of it? Um, yeah. Did you become a toenail? In Alex Kruger's story, he's the cricket guy. He says that there was another there was a younger girl there um who he described to be like a sorority girl. And at oh, one yeah. point she said, you know, I've never done any kind of drugs ever. And oh, he Lord. said he looked at her and said, "You've never done any type of drug and you're going to start with this?" You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a, that's a terrible what a idea. What a trip. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, she didn't come back after the first night. She, she I left, it. you know, yeah. it, it was definitely not what she had thought it was. Um, yep. but what do you guys think? You know, is there, you know, how to, the way this came about, um, you know, how these, these shaman knew to, to mix these two things you know, the benefit that it has and that they've, they've done it for so long. And, you know, you can read, I mean, you, I can't even count the number of experiences that you can find where people do just, they write it out. They just pour it all out on the page and you can read it right there and, and see how it touches you go and and look at this stuff. Tell us what you think. And the, the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. Um, it is called the graveyard. Uh, you'll you'll find it. You'll thousands of members in there, so active, um, sharing some of these great personal experiences. Uh, and you know, I think this would be a fantastic one if you felt comfortable enough to share it with us. Um, and please answer the questions to get in. <laughs> yeah, here we, we get go. a lot of people that request to get in, and they don't answer questions. And I mean. It's one of the, the the questions are there for a reason, just so you know kind of what the do's and do not do's. Yeah. And uh, and it and it lets us know that you're not a bot. 
and right. you're not going to come in there and just start, you know, posting every every instant reply is you know a sales pitch for something. Yeah, you know, exactly. Nobody nobody wants to deal with that. So just you know, click the couple questions, and that lets us know you're actually a person, and mm-hmm. and we'll get you in. And when you're done there, you know, check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. There you can listen to the show. You can uh, find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise, and you can become a patron. And we always take the time to thank all of our our patrons. You know, you guys are the reason that we're able to keep doing this show. Um, oh, yeah. And, and we appreciate it so much. So I'm, I'm not doing ayahuasca this weekend. <laughs> Me either. And until next time. We'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.